guys, welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. I'm Megan Barker. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders. They're gonna share how they got where they are as well as hopefully some valuable insights into the music industry. You can watch the interviews online or listen to the podcast. We also do a live stream every Sunday on Instagram. So just check out jamminandjammies.com for all of the details. Today, we are sitting down with Charlie Matos and Charlie is the co-host of the National Staple Coffee Country and Cody. You've heard it, it's on WSM, home of the Grand Ole Opry Radio. I'm a huge fan. I'm really excited to find out what a day in the life of Charlie is like. So let's welcome him. Charlie, how are you doing? Well, first off, I, I am about as casual a guest as you're ever going to go, but I hope the Manchester United hoodie is good enough. I just couldn't pull off jammies for Coffee Country and Cody in the morning, and I'm still here in our production studio after the show. So, But I, I am doing well, and I've been looking forward to it. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this. I'm so happy you're here, and you know what? The sweatshirt is close, so we're good. And uh, okay. I'm, actually, I'm excited that you're on site of where the action happens every day. But uh, I want to start at the beginning. Will you just mm -hmm. tell everyone where you're from, and like, just did you love music? as a kid how did you get here oh sure yeah so i grew up uh, just outside of providence rhode island and i am honestly megan one of those lucky people that from about the age of five or six i'm literally doing the only thing i've ever wanted to do i mean i fell in love with radio not necessarily music or country music but radio at a very early age i can vividly remember taking this old transistor radio and if you're old enough you can remember the transistor radio had like one earplug and it was kind of a beige earplug but with a mini jack that plugged in and i would just take that to bed at night before i fell asleep and just kind of scan the dial and i was fascinated by all these stations i could pick up at night from different cities and uh it just seemed magical to me so at, at that point i, I just kind of decided that's what i wanted to do and yeah i really i really am just one of those lucky people who was doing the only thing he's ever wanted to do so but yeah so i grew up in providence went to broadcasting um majored in broadcasting at the university of miami i worked down there five or six years after graduating. And I've been in Nashville more than half my life. This past December was 30 years for me in Music City. So I, I guess I'm a Nashvillian now that I spent more than half my life here. I'd say so, you're honorary yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What brought you to Nashville? Uh, so the radio station I was working at in uh, Miami, they actually changed format. They went from a news talk AM station to a satellite oldie station. and literally they let go 29 people in one day and it wasn't performance or oriented the station was doing fine they just changed format um so i ended up moving to nashville to do work at the other end of the am spectrum at 1510 wlac where i worked for nine years and then i've been here with bill cody at wsm for a little over 16. wow well you've you've dabbled in the sports world we could say so uh how did you get from kind of sports to music um you know this yeah it's kind of a funny story I, I i filled in one morning for bill's news guy ron jordan and then i filled in for bill's news guy kevin ingram one time and then kevin left and i was already here and it just kind of worked out that well i can do sports and i can do news and it eventually evolved into a producer role and kind of a co-host role and it just yeah, it was, it's just been kind of crazy how, how that path led me to here. And it's been the last 16 years of my life. But I have to admit, though, the Bill, between Bill Cody in the morning and, and Eddie Stubbs for many years at night, now they were kind of like my country music 101 introductory class at college, you know, so they, I knew radio, but I didn't know country music. And between those two guys, I feel like I got a pretty good education. <laughs> wow. So would you say that you're a huge country fan after after all these years then? 
Oh yeah, I, I I like a lot of it, and I like a lot of the new stuff. I like a lot. Of, I'm a huge. Uh, I mean, it, it, going back in years, I love Ray Price. Uh, big Ronnie Millsap fan. Uh, by the way, Girl Who Waits on Tables is one of my Millsap songs fans. I send that out to your dad. Uh, <laughs> love Mary. Love Mary Chapin Carpenter. Uh, and of the newer guys, I mean, I think those harmonies of Dan and Shay are just incredible. So yeah, I've really grown to to be a big fan. That's amazing. Uh, I, you know, I was just going to say, you've been in Nashville a long time. You've seen a lot of generations of country music. I was going to ask, do you have a favorite era? But I guess you kind of just answered that. Yeah, a little bit of everything. You know, um, I became a huge Garth fan when everybody, the whole world became a huge Garth fan. So I, I that, that still kind of hits home because that's when it just kind of really took off in my mind, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, take us into a typical day for Charlie Mattos. What you get up super early? Am I right? Yeah, the alarm. My alarm rings. Are, I come in earlier than most people would. Uh, I'm an only child, so I tend to be really productive when I'm by myself. <laughs> and so I, so I come in. I usually get here by 3 a.m. and that gives me oh. a little over two hours before we start the show yeah. to do all sorts of stuff. Prep for Bill interview prep, download music, news, weather. Uh, if I get everything done ahead of time, I can walk around the hotel and get some cardio in. Cause believe me, the Opryland Hotel where our studio is, uh, for, the, for folks who've never been, uh, you can get your cardio walking from one end of this hotel to the other. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so my alarm, Megan, rings at like 1.45 in the morning. Um, I tell people- I don't, When I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, whoa, believe me, when I, I lived downtown at Market Street Apartments for almost 20 years, and you would be amazed how many people I would see as I'm about to start my day as they're coming in at the end of the day. We cross paths. Uh, many of them did not remember seeing me while I very well remember seeing them. But um, I tell people jokingly, it's kind of like going back to kindergarten or first grade. You know, uh, you take a nap in the afternoon and you go to bed about 830. And that's if I take a nap, I'm a happy camper. So. That's amazing. I'm a huge fan of 20 minute naps. I talk about it all the time. I love power naps. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Opryland Hotel. It is massive. And for people who don't don't live in Nashville, they, you guys do the show in the Opryland Hotel, well, under normal circumstances. Yeah, I'm right now, uh, as you're watching this, this is, uh, you know, we're early in 2021 and we're still doing a lot of stuff on Zoom. I'm the only one physically in the studio. Bill Cody's at his home in Cross Plains, Zooming in. Our entertainment reporter, Megan Alexander, is at her home in Franklin. Uh, Eric Markham and Joel Wilson, who coordinate and, and, and run the show for the Circle TV portion of our show, uh, they're over at the Opry House in a, in a, in a beautiful state-of-the-art uh, production room too. So we're kind of scattered all around Middle Tennessee. But yeah, for for many of the 16 years and in normal times, which I hope we'll return to soon. Uh, yeah, this, our studio is right in the Magnolia lobby. There are big bay windows that look in. It's kind of like a fishbowl. And uh, yeah, we, we used to see people all morning long. They'd stop and watch 15, 20 minutes. If we had a big guest in studio, they might stand outside for an hour watching. So it's a, it's a great, great location for a radio station. I mean, I, I've, I've, I try not to take it for granted because I, I worked at places that had great equipment, but someday you don't even get a window. It's kind of like a communist debriefing center. You know, you can't, you can't even know where you are. And here it's just a, it's just a beautiful place to broadcast from. It's, I mean, it's probably, I haven't been very many places in the world yet, but it's one of my favorite places in the world. And actually fun fact, my parents were one of the last couples to get married in the conservatory, like 30 plus years uh, ago. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> okay, so do you ever get do you ever get nervous anymore for anything? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, 
I've been really lucky the last two or three years to start doing uh, more and more announcing at the Grand Ole Opry. And there is a huge difference between talking to potentially thousands of people and, you know, with online streaming and, you know, our circle television reach, you know, people are all over the country and all over the world, but you can't see them. And they, uh, and even though they can see you, you can't see them. So there's no nerves factor there for the most part, but you know, 4,000 people at the Opry house and every eye is on you at that podium. It's a totally different ball game. So yeah, I still, I love doing it. And there's an energy to a live show with a live audience like that, but it, it, it still makes me nervous. Yeah. I, 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 I I still feel butterflies and that's good. Maybe the day I don't is the day I don't do a very good job. I think those, ner I think a little bit of nerves kind of keeps you on your A game. A lot of nerves can paralyze you, but a little bit of nerves, I don't think is a bad thing. I don't blame you for being nervous though. I mean, it's just, it's iconic and there's a lot of pressure, but it's amazing. What a fun job. Um, you know, and there are some hardcore Opry fans. Uh, do you ever get recognized? Uh, <laughs> it happens on occasion. They usually tend to recognize the voice more than they would ever recognize what I actually look like. Um, but I was very excited last year in like February, my name made the program. So I thought, well, this is now a good step in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I've made the program, so. <laughs> okay, can you tell us uh, what has the, the, the changes been like? What have the changes been like with COVID and your daily routine and, and WSM in general? What have things been like? Yeah, you know, for me, I've been lucky. Uh, you know, my family, my wife's been working long. She's a nurse, uh, but she works in risk management. So she's not on the floor uh, for a dialysis company. So she's been working from home since mid-March of 2020. And I have a seven-year-old. I know, hard to believe with this face. I snuck him in at 49. But, uh, but he's in second grade. Uh, so he's been doing school online. And even though now we have the option that he could go back, he's done well online. And just as a precaution, we've just kind of kept him online for the rest of the year. So they're home all the time. Uh, I've still been able to come in and at least have some sense of normalcy. Um, it's hard to believe when we first kind of locked everything down, you know, radio, we were considered, Bill and I were considered essential employees. I'm not sure how on earth that what kind of scale rules me essential, but nonetheless, uh, I was thrilled to be able to come in, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's logistically different having, you know, instead of your host who you've worked with for 15 years being, you know, five feet away from you, uh, you know, he's at a, he's on a zoom and everybody's on a zoom. Every interview we've done for the past 12 months has been on a zoom. And, you know, if, if you watch any kind of live interview programming where it's music or, you know, CNN or Fox or MSNBC, ESPN, everybody's doing it. And some work flawlessly. And sometimes there's a glitch and people, <laughs> are they frozen or is he going to come back? How long do we wait? You know, so, uh, so it's, you know, we, we've, we've had, we've dealt with the same things that I think a lot of people have dealt with. So you gotta be quick on your feet, but luckily you guys in radio, you're quick on your feet. You have to be all the time. Um, okay. Just a fun question. How do you take your coffee? <laughs> Uh, I take my coffee. I like, I like plain coffee, but flavored creamer. I don't like flavored coffee per se, but I do like, I, uh, I'm a sugar-free French vanilla for the creamer. Uh, yeah. And, and the coffee itself, I'm, I'm not terribly picky. I like, uh, I grew up in New England. So I always say Dunkin' Donuts is the coffee of my people. So if given an option, I default to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I love Dunkin'. I definitely don't yeah. have a Starbucks cup sitting here, but I'll take whatever is, whatever's nearby and available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so your your bio says that you've you've been like a longtime voice of the Vanderbilt women's basketball. I, I've watched a few of your YouTube interviews. Tell me about all of that. Oh yeah, I you know so when I was a kid, 
what I really wanted to do in radio was was play by play, you know, because I I just thought these guys have the best jobs ever. They get to go to the games, they get in for free, and then they pay them. I mean, what the paid to watch a game? This is the best deal ever. Um, so yeah, my, my first season doing Vanderbilt was 1993. So I've done that 27 years. We went to the final four the first year I ever did the women's team. So yeah, and it's much like doing an Opry show. There's an energy to doing a game courtside, uh, you know, with a big crowd and it's a big game and maybe Pat Summit in Tennessee will come into town and there's 15,000 people in there. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, 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 there's an energy and a, an adrenaline that goes through you for, for a big game like that. But even that's changed this year. You know, I, I was doing home games courtside with a mask the entire time and road games on a setup from my loft, watching the broadcast on ESPN plus with crowd noise uh, pumped in from the venue. So even that, even that was a change this yeah. year. So nothing, nothing has been normal. Yep. Nothing has been normal mm. except the Dunkin' coffee. That's been normal. Yes. That stays consistent. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite sport? Uh, you know, I, 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 baseball, probably growing up, I'm a huge soccer fan. I love English Premier League soccer. So with the time change on my goofy schedule, believe me, I wake up at four o'clock on the weekend and that's sleeping in. So those 6 a.m. English Premier League games are right in my wheelhouse. So, yeah, I'm a big soccer fan. Got season tickets for uh, for our MLS team here in Nashville. Uh, hoping to go to some games this year. Hopefully that's going to happen well. And, uh, yeah, soccer and baseball, probably my big two. I mean, it's looking like things are going to be normal, semi-normal, maybe toward the end of the year. I was sitting on a panel with a bunch of, uh, I was listening into the panel, I wasn't part of the panel, mm -hmm. of a bunch of booking agents the other day, and they were saying, hopefully fall, the end of the year, maybe things will be a little more normal. So, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. Well, no, your life has probably been affected a lot like mine, where you can still do a lot of the things you do, but it's the different vibe of doing a songwriter round with a crowd at the Bluebird or Douglas Corner or 12th and Porter or wherever, or doing it virtually via Instagram where you can, but you can see that the people are there. You can see their comments. You got the little number tally in the corner, but it's not the same, you know, it's functional, but it's different. So, you know, our lives are, have kind of been affected similarly in that respect, I would think. Absolutely. I think if you have any kind of life in music, this last year has been extra challenging. I think we were kind mm -hmm. of the, the first ones to get shut down. And I think we're going to be the last ones to come back. I did music live, live music every night full time. That was my job. And then I would mm -hmm. do jammies and man, I, I do miss doing the jammy show live, but it's been such a blessing to be able to do it on the internet and still connect with people and bring them music. And, um, and you know, some people are still out risking it more than others. And there's still a lot of us that are sitting at home. So it's been fun to be able to bring them content like this and keep people connected and entertained. So mm -hmm. it's been great. Okay, I have a fun random question. I'm a okay. huge, you're gonna laugh at me. I'm a huge fan of the show Frasier. Okay. And I also love the idea of the radio world. Maybe in another life I would do radio, I don't know. But uh, is it anything like Frasier? Have you ever seen Frasier? Oh yeah, I've seen Frasier. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, well, I've worked in talk radio for a long time too. So I kinda, I kinda can, can appreciate that aspect of it. Um, I will say this, the, the most interesting things always tend to happen off the air and Frazier was much like that as well. So, um, yeah, so I would say there's, there's probably a little bit of re more reality in that than there was in WKRP in Cincinnati, if you can go back in time to that one, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder too if, if if this is a little bit more exciting the country music world and celebrities than maybe stuff that's going on in Ohio or Florida or wherever maybe there's a little more drama and excitement when you're talking about famous people. Oh yeah, and you know you know it's just fun to you know 
and, and I'm lucky. I, I have really never been let down. There have been a lot of people I've been, because they always say you don't want to meet your heroes, because then if you're let down, it's so crushing. But, uh, but everyone who I've ever wanted to meet in this business that I have, has, has just been terrific, you know? And, and I'm lucky from that perspective too, because everybody loves Bill Cody. And when they come in, they're already happy to see Bill and they're already in a good mood. So I tend to meet them when they're already in a great mood to begin with. So that, that I, get the, I get the benefit of the doubt on that one, you know? So. Yeah. Well, okay, I have two questions. I have COVID brain, so I'm gonna spit them out at the same time. So I don't okay. forget. First of all, is is what has it been like building a relationship with Bill Cody over the years? I imagine you guys are good friends after all this time. And uh, favorite celebrity story, of course. He and I hit it off for exactly the reason uh, I, I started this interview off. He has been a radio junkie and it's the only thing he's ever wanted to do. He started on air at a small station in his hometown when he was 12 years old. So, you know, there, there are, I mean, you could have a nice career in this business and not have it be the only thing you've ever wanted to do. And you can be very successful. But I think when you truly have that passion, uh, you know, much like being a singer songwriter, I mean, there are people who can stumble into it and, and, you know, you have a nice voice and sure, you know, you can, you can do all right. But, but those who have the only thing they've ever wanted to do, and they picked up a guitar at five or six and, you know, right. It's just different. So we connected on that level really early on so so that that helped a lot i thought yeah and it's and he's he's just one of those guys who the the guy you hear on the radio is pretty much the guy you would go meet at kroger if you ran into him or at the post office or at the library you know it's it's not it's not like a jekyll and hyde personality where there's the radio persona and there's the real human being it's the it's the same guy and that makes life pretty easy but you seem like that too and i I bet i bet he gets recognized Mm. quite a bit at the grocery store down too huh uh, yeah, well, him way more than me, because, you know, for years he was on GAC and right. Tennessee's file side, and he's been on that opera announcer stage for well over a decade. So, yeah, he, if I get it a little, he gets it a lot. So. Yeah. And you've been doing this for so long. I imagine there's been a lot of newbies that maybe came across WSM, did an interview, and they were brand new, and now they've blown up. Is, is, that, a, is that a real thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bill famously, uh, you know, the first time we were I think we were Blake Shelton's first ever radio interview and he came in with a, long, with, a with a big mullet going on and and did Austin in studio with just him and a guitar uh so yeah it's 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 happened with a lot uh and then and that's the beauty though you know the one thing we get to do here that a lot of stations it's not that they don't want to do it it's that they're just corporately not allowed to do it is we can take the time and really let a segment breathe and not just have somebody come in, play the new single, we talk for two minutes and we're done. And that's that's corporate radio for a lot of places. And, we, and you know, we, especially when we can have people in studio, you know, we can spend 45 minutes to an hour with them and play two songs and have them bring a guitar and do a couple songs live and, and really get to know them. And so I think when they leave, I, I, th- I, I think they enjoy it as much as we do. And that that's when it's a win-win. That's what makes WSM so special and what you guys do so special, especially as, as an artist and a songwriter. Uh, you know, just to be able to sit there and relax and not feel like there's pressure and time, you guys can just have a real conversation. It's amazing. I love what you guys do. It's such a special thing down there. Um, and then I do want to circle back to if you have any favorite celebrity stories. Oh, gosh. Um... Well, I've gotten to do a lot of weird little things. Like uh, one year we were doing a remote uh, down at uh, CMA Music Fest and we were doing uh, two days worth of shows at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop. So we're right in the heart of like 80,000 people coming and going and they, you know, you, the roads are blocked off. 
and we had Mel Tillis on, Country Music Hall of Famer, Grand Ole Opry star, and he was running a little late. So he literally pulls up and I go out to meet him and he tosses me his keys and go parallel park that for me while he goes in the interview with Bill. So I'm parallel parking Mel Tillis's car and I'm like, oh, please don't let me hit anything. <laughs> so so I, so I did okay. I did okay on that one. Uh, I, I made Chris Christopherson a pot of coffee one time. That was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, just it's those goofy little things that you tend to remember, you know, so. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. if, if somebody watching this, I mean, most of our followers are aspiring songwriters and artists, um, but I'm sure there's somebody in here that maybe wants to pursue radio and thinks that you have this amazing career. What advice mm -hmm. do you have for somebody who wants to get into radio? Wow. Um, boy, if you have a hometown station that's a small AM that you can get into, uh, that's huge. Just and, and if your heart is really in it, do anything they ask you to do. You know, my first job where they paid me to do anything is I was just babysitting ABC talk radio overnight from midnight to five. And all I had to do was stay awake and make sure the commercials played when they were supposed to play. And that's my only duties. But I would stay till like eight or nine in the morning and, and help out and do anything I could on that live morning show that they had. And it just eventually paid off. So, you know, that, that would probably be my, my first piece of advice. And then just practice, just practice talking. You know, if you want to do sports, bring a tape recorder, bring or take your, you know, take your iPhone and just, you know, sit far away from somebody and just practice doing play by play and then go back and listen to it. You know, simple things like that. I embarrassingly somewhere still have Memorex cassettes of me doing baseball games with my dad way away from all these other people. So I didn't bother anybody from when I was like 11 or 12 years old. I shudder to hear what they sound like, but I think I got them some. <laughs> Do you still ever run lines or intros or anything before you go live or are you, are you a pro now and you trust yourself? No, I, 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 what I'll do a lot of times is at least listen ahead of time to get the intro time of a song and the feel of it. Cause the last thing you want to do is step on the vocals of that kind of thing. So, so no, I'll run through it. Yeah. I had a program director tell me one time and it's probably true. The best ad libs are scripted. So make it sound spontaneous, but know what you're going to say, you know? So. Wow. Well, how much research goes into your, your daily interviews and segments? Um, it's a, it, I can't even remember how I did stuff before Google and Wikipedia and websites right. and talk points and all that stuff. I mean, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did my research, but I don't know how I did it, you know, and it's so much easier now, but, but yeah, I do like to go in. I like to go in prepared with, with, uh, and not stuff scripted because the, I, I like to have enough stuff that it, that we can go as long as we need to go. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, but the key also is listening, you know, because I'm sure you've heard interviews or, or, or done interviews with people and, and you can kind of tell that all they're waiting for is for you to finish so they can do their next thing. You know, it doesn't really matter what you said. It's just, they're, they're just going to the next thing on the bullet of the thing, you know, and, uh, you know, Gene, Gene Watson tells a wonderful story about the legendary Porter Wagner about being on his show. And he would say, you know, Porter, Porter wouldn't listen to the answer. So he'd ask, you know, how you doing, Gene? And he'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't feel too great, Porter. Great, great, great to hear it, you know. So because he's not paying attention. So the, the best part is just the, the best advice is to listen, because if you listen, then you then you, it just goes different places that that that's a that's a big key thing, I think. Yeah, I don't have many, many pet peeves, but that's one of them is when you feel like someone's not listening to you and you're like, right. 
why am I even talking? Uh-huh. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you have wonderful advice and insight. Um, you know, I, I love talking to, to you and to people like you that I do think there's a difference between people that kind of stumble into their their passion and people who it is a lifelong thing and you can't see yourself doing anything else. Um, you know, that's why you stayed four or five extra hours at the studio early on. And I just admire that so much. Um is there anyone, a new artist, someone that you maybe you're a fan of, you stumbled on Instagram or something um, that you'd like to see on the Opry stage soon that maybe hasn't hasn't done that yet? Is there anyone you're rooting for? Oh, wow. That's a, re that's a really good question. Um, you know, the Opry has been really opened armed, uh, especially over the last few years that so many people have gotten to do uh, an Opry debut. You know, um, we, we Zoomed earlier this week with... Uh, with, uh, with Willie Jones, uh, who's got an incredible new song called American Dream, and it's powerful and emotional and it's incredibly personal. Um, but you know, that's, that's out of the box kind of thinking, but then, but, but it fits. And, and um, you know, we had Whitney Duncan on earlier who, who made her opera probably 12 years ago, but it's been a while since she's been on that stage and she's got a new record and she's gonna be on this weekend too. So th that's what I really love about about the Opry is, uh, you know, they, they are welcoming. And yet at the same time, uh, you know, folks who have been members for, for, for decades are still welcome there. Like, you know, Bill Anderson and Jeannie Seeley and John Conley, who I never, ever get, never get tired of seeing or hearing any of those people. So uh, it's, it's a, it's just a wonderful smorgasbord of, uh, <laughs> of, of the old and the new and the in-between, but it, but it somehow works, you know? Man, I would love to know if there's one moment that stands out to you at the Opry or the Ryman or whatever. Is there any moment where you were just like, this is crazy? Wow. Um, well, I will say this, and if this, and, and you know, who knows where people are, are, are watching this because, you know, the, the, the availability of the, the web, it could be fine to me anywhere. If you've never seen a show at the Ryman, I, I will say this about the Ryman. It is one of those places that elevates anything that's there. I mean, if it's a good show, I think the Ryman makes it great. If it's a great show, the Ryman makes it one of a kind. Uh, first thing I ever saw at the Ryman Auditorium, and it wasn't long after they started doing stuff there again, was uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. I saw her back-to-back -back nights on the Stones and the Road Tour. And uh, I, I just fell in love with the place. Uh, acoustically, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I love the history of it. I love that they've modernized it, yet kept it old, which is not an easy thing to do, you know? I mean, it's, that's a tough combination there, so. Um, yeah, I just love that place. Uh, saw Springsteen on the acoustic tour from the fifth row. Um, but the, the, I think the one moment that I truly have had where it was just one of those, what am I doing here? And how did I even get here moments is I got to, I got to MC the Habitat for Humanity uh, um, night at the, at the Ryman about a year and a half ago. I think it was October, 2019. And President Carter was on stage. His wife, Rosalind, was on stage. Garth and Tricia are headlining. Oh. And I'm like, how did I get here? Why, how, how did I walk into this gig, you know? And, and, and it helped, and it went so well too, because it's like the one time you don't want to screw that up and it went so well. And uh, so that, that was just, that's a highlight moment. That it really is, you know? Is it truly better to be watching the show at the Ryman or the Opry from side stage than anywhere else in the auditorium? <laughs> you know, it's it it. I'll tell you this: 
it, it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And I love getting to visit with people back when you actually could visit with people you know, <laughs> backstage. I love that aspect of it. Uh, you don't hear well at all, though, back, the side stage, backstage. You hear it much better front of house. Yeah, much better front of house. So it's a totally different experience. Uh, and, and I would recommend that if anybody ever wants to get that experience, take the backstage tour at the Opry House because it's fantastic. You get to go on stage. You get your photo in the circle. You get, the, you get to see all the dressing rooms, the green room. You get to really feel like what it's, back, what it's like there. And especially if it's a show night, you get to do it. But then you get to go back out front and watch the show from from the front of the house because it really does sound better out front than it does uh, than it does where I, where I am. Do you remember your first time at the Opry of the Ryman? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, vividly. Uh, uh, terrified uh, the first time I had to announce anything at the podium, um, and I started talking and I think I forgot to turn the mic on. So Bill Cody came over and popped the mic on for me. Uh, and then I walked away and I think I forgot to turn the mic off. So he's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're nervous, I'm sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> but I can remember the first time I was at the Opry. I wasn't working. I remember I vividly remember the first time I was there as a fan because when I moved from Miami to here, my parents were the happiest people on the planet. I mean, they liked Miami, but they were country music fans big time. They watched TNN. When I got to introduce them one time to Ralph Emery backstage at Nashville now, it was like introducing them to the president. It was the biggest deal, you know? So so the first time they came, we went to the Opry and, and bought tickets and we went to the Opry. And it was just one of those incredible nights because Garth was there really early on in his career. But then also Roy Acuff, Bill Monroe, um, Del Reeves was there that night. Tom T. Hall was there that night. So I got Grandpa Jones. So I got to see so many of the legends that we have lost and yet get Garth really early in his career. So that, that's my, I still have the ticket stub and the program. That's my first night at the Opry. I would have said, I'm guessing probably sometime in the fall of 1991. Wow, what a memory. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I was gonna ask too, if you've ever had any memorable fumbles. Uh, you were just mentioning turning on the mic on and off. Are there any other fumbles that uh, stick out? I, well, on a daily basis, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I mess up something on on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Um, oh gosh. All right. Um, so, as a songwriter yourself, and as the daughter of a great songwriter, uh, you will truly appreciate this because Bill Cody. One time, we were playing Hank Williams Jr. and we were going to play the Blues Man, and it was on Habits Old and New. Great album, uh, pro probably the best or my favorite of all the Hank Jr. stuff. And Bill asked me, what else, what other songs are on that record? And I'm reading the list of songs now. Now, thankfully, this is not on the air, but we eventually told it on the air because it was such a funny story. And he's like, what songs? And I'm going, oh, let's see, blah, 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 this one, this one, uh, Colliga. And he goes, wait, 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 what? And I go, Colliga. And he goes, spell it. And I'm like, K-A-W-L-I-G-A. -A. He goes, that's Kalijah, you moron. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's not pronounced how it's spelled. So. Oh, man. Thankfully, neither Hank Williams Jr. or Charlie Pride or anyone who's had a hit or has sung that song uh, <laughs> knows that, knows about Well, I guess they all know now that I've told it. But I probably uh, would have made that mistake too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, that's one of my better put my foot in my mouth moments, I think, so. Oh man, well, I appreciate yeah. you being humble and sharing because yeah. we all have those <laughs> moments, we're all human. Um, okay, this has been so wonderful. I have just one more question. 
Yep. Done so many amazing things. What else do you want to do? Do you have any goals? Do you have anything that you're itching to do? Uh, well, um, I want to be more patient and be a better dad because I know a lot of stuff, but at 57, I don't, ha I don't quite have the patience I used to. Uh, and my little guy is seven. So I'm tired by the end of the day. Uh, so that would be, personally, that would be a really good one. Um, no, I'd love to just, I, I honestly, I, I, I love what I do. I really do. There's, I, I, I can maybe think of maybe five mornings in my life where I've woken up and thought, oh, I just don't want to go in today. And, and, it's I, I I'm really fortunate. I I, I I talk and laugh and tell stories and play music for a living, and I, I'm really lucky. And I, I wake up every day just excited to come in, and I and I enjoy doing it. So um, no, I, I so I don't know. That's it may not be the most ambitious answer you've ever heard, but but I feel pretty I feel pretty lucky, and I just oh. love what I. Yeah. You, if you've been living your dream, I imagine that's the answer that you'd yeah. give is, is that yeah. I'm, I'm doing it every day. And I think that's mm -hmm. the most wonderful answer. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this is going to inspire a lot of people. I appreciate you just hanging out and, and sharing your story. I hope you'll write a book of all these stories and insights that okay. you shared with us. Well, Co Cody needs to write the book first. I'll, I'll, write, a, I'll write the introduction to the forward. How's that? Okay. <laughs> I'd love to read both books personally, but um, I do appreciate you hanging out. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a songwriter and an artist and I'm not an interviewer. So I was extra nervous to interview an interviewer. <laughs> so I hope I asked some good questions and we got all the, all the info that you wanted to share. Listen, you were terrific and you've picked my only skill. You don't want me building anything, fixing anything. Actually, that's not true. I can cook pretty well. I could cook you a pretty good meal, but you don't want me to build anything or fix anything for you. So, but if you want me to talk, you pick the one thing I can do okay. So well, now I want to know what, what do you cook? Oh man, you know, uh, it, my wife was asking for years for cast iron skillets and I resisted and I'm like, oh, we don't need these things. And finally, uh, there was a great deal on Amazon and we got a mini one and a big one. And man, I have perfected, I have perfected the steak, either like a New York strip or a filet, or I love, I'm a ribeye fan. And I can make, I can make about a perfect medium rare to medium steak nailing it just about every time on the cast iron skillet so That's and then wild. now here's kind of a goofy uh, suggestion and so you get your vegetables and you steam them in the microwave and then after you finish the steaks on the cast iron while it's got all that goodness of the steak in there toss the steamed vegetables in there for about two minutes let them char and they get almost seasoned from the steak and then serve them see it works with asparagus it works with green beans it works with almost anything brussels sprouts so anyway there's my food there's my food network uh, maybe trisha will have me on the trisha's country kitchen kitchen sometime i was gonna say we should get to your own segment like let's get wsm on the phone you know what's funny literally just last week i was thinking i should probably try a cast iron skillet steak sometime like i don't have one but i've heard it's the best and you just sold me on it yeah, four and a half, about four to four and a half minutes on each side gives you just about the perfect medium rare and then finish, the, steam the vegetables and then finish them in the cast iron for two or three minutes. Yep. Well, I, I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Thank <laughs> you, Charlie Maddox. I really appreciate it. This is so much fun. I love talking with you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Truly, I've, I've enjoyed it too. Thank you for asking. We'll have to catch up again soon. Sounds good. You stay well. We'll see you later. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Showtime. Showtime. Guess who's back again? Uh -huh. Oh, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. Uh -huh.
as soon as we walk in Wearing fuzzy things Candy rings Ain't PJ looking so fly Don't look too hard You might hurt yourself We look too damn good to deny I'm a dangerous girl with some footies on my feeties. Keep up! So many awesome hits around us and we're gonna keep them coming. Keep up! Come on down to the frog and we'll get you jammy juice and come on! Riders only. Put your candy rings up to the moon. <laughs> what y'all trying to do? <laughs> 